You're listening to the Embrace Family Recovery Podcast, a place for real conversations with people who love someone with the disease of addiction. Now here is your host, Margaret Swift Thompson. Welcome back. Alexandra Nyman, the founder of Break Free, returns to dive into the why and the what she wishes she would have known sooner on her and her family's journey with mental illness. I get so excited about being connected to an organization that is making such a tangible difference. And you'll learn more about how far and how important your donations can go. The Embrace Family Recovery Podcast. You just shared that you wish you'd known even then some of what you know now. So I know there's people out there who feel very lost and are struggling to find help different types of help, behavioral health, substance use disorder help. What would you say are the big things you've learned that you wish you'd known? I wish I would have known that like helplines are a thing. Like I didn't even know what that distinction was Mm -hmm. until I was working on partnership to end addiction, where I learned that a hotline is something that is operated 24 seven, whereas a helpline is something that's operated during specific hours on specific days. And their purpose mostly is to help individuals, families, or loved ones to gain access into different options. So you could literally call up your helpline for partnership and addiction or for NAMI NYC, and they would be able to look up your insurance, look up the area that you're in and tell you, hey, like these are the providers in your area. I learned of the different tools that the helplines use, like the Psychology Today Therapy Locator. There's the, I think it's like Smart US, an organization called a smart something partnered with partnership to end addiction for a treatment locator tool Mm -hmm. that shows you for inpatient outpatient Mm -hmm. recovery houses in your state and in your area. And it also shows family resources. It's the first of its kind. It's something that had launched in 2021, which was exceptional, Mm -hmm. but it is hard to kind of think, Oh yeah. Like, I'm the supporter. What resources are there for me? Whereas there's a plethora of resources out there for the individual, like 988, the suicide hotline, the crisis text line. There's the disaster relief hotline. Like you name it, there is a hotline for it. And that's wonderful and very helpful. But that individual would have to have the clarity of mind to know to reach out to those resources. So for me, it was really just learning how to utilize all these different tools, Mm -hmm. but also knowing that like, if I couldn't, if I didn't have the spoons to, I could just call up a helpline and be like, Hey, like I'm trying to find my brother, a psychiatrist. This is like the kind of care that he's looking for. 
is there anyone in network that he could reach out to? And then I would have my list of who to call for that day. So I think it's really important that we have all of those links as a part of this podcast. So we'll make sure, listeners, that all of this is in the notes for the show and on the posts for the social media so that you all can explore and see what these resources are, especially if they're new to you, because a lot of people don't or are hesitant to call, fearful about calling. We also tend to be self-sufficient and independent and think we've got to do it ourselves. And I really value what you said, Alex, about not a lot of resources for family. I know that's a big part of why I started Embrace Family Recovery because I worked in the treatment center for 23 years and I loved my work. And I would hear from families all the time when someone was leaving treatment. Okay, they're going home with a boatload of tools and you know, a month if they're lucky is worth of treatment and education and support. And I feel like I'm going home with very little and I don't know how to navigate that. What's there for me next? And so for me, it's a matter of recognizing the whole family's impacted and that the whole family deserves resources. So I value very much what some of the organizations are starting to do. Elizabeth Vargas does an amazing job on the podcast, Heart of the Matter. And they have a really neat texting system that families can link into to get help sent to their phone little tips, suggestions, resources. It feels like the audience may be a little younger for the parents of younger people like adolescents and early adults, which again, fabulous resource, but may not be as effective for someone who's parenting a 20-something, 30-something, 40-something. So those are great resources. And it has evolved. Wouldn't you agree in the time that you've been doing the work you've been doing, you've seen changes happen? Oh, yeah. Like one of the great things that I've noticed is that now NAMI has a messaging of not only caring for the individual, but caring for the support network. So they now have specific support groups for families, for siblings, for anyone that's supporting somebody who is living with a mental illness. And they also have a brand new support group for the supporters for individuals struggling with co-occurring disorders. And also, I wanted to note that Break Free on our website, breakfreefoundation.org, if you go under resources, we have a tab for all of the different treatment locators, including the one I was talking about, which is the Safe Project Treatment and Family Support Locator, as well as a list of helplines, a list of access for our online support groups, access to affordable care through this journey, I didn't realize that North Dakota has a substance use disorder voucher where you could get free access to treatment, which is absolutely incredible. I would love to see that replicated by other states. And we also have our sober resources, which is more outside of the box things like Quitlet or books, sober blogs, journals, TED Talks, documentaries, podcasts, different things like that. Excellent. So I would think rather than putting all the different recommendations out there, we'll put your resource list out there and people can go to your site and see the great work you're doing. You know, I think it's nice to see podcasts that are specific for different audiences. And there's an overlap. I definitely have people on who have overcome, struggle with their own addictions, but also the family side is definitely my sweet spot because I don't think our stories are told near enough. 
So when you look back over what you've experienced with mental illness and addiction, what are you aware were strategies that you gained from it? You know, one of the things I say a lot is we gain skills and survival strategies that work really well for us till they no longer work. And I think I know one of them because you've talked about it, but what would you say was your ability to navigate the journey you've been on? What were strategies that worked for you? So for me, confronting my younger brother's mental health opened the door for me to have to confront my own and to realize, oh, that like void of nothingness, like that's not normal. Like not everybody is like feeling that way or feeling like their heart's racing all the time or like they're just super stressed out by the smallest things or with ADHD, I often find myself in that holding pattern where it's like, oh, I have a meeting in three hours. So I'm totally ready. I'm going to just sit here by the door with my shoes on and just wait. And I don't know why I'm doing that. So a lot of it has been, oh, huh. Yeah, that's not normal. I should probably walk my talk and do something about it because I'm so adamant about my brother doing things and him getting help, it's pretty hypocritical for me to not follow suit. But it was really hard for me because it's like, oh no, like he has it so much harder. So many other people that like come up to me after shows, they have it so much harder. You really have to kind of fight against that feeling and just do it anyway. Mm. So for me, A lot of it has been like finding different fidgets to help because of the ADHD and then learning that with ADHD usually comes with the depression and an anxiety diagnosis because you're processing things differently from other people and understanding that and giving yourself the grace to be able to accept that you just process information differently And I really think a big part of the reason of why I didn't want to acknowledge my behavioral health is because I've had dyslexia. I was diagnosed when I was in the third grade before I went into the public school system. Previously, I'd been homeschooled and they had me in special education classes. And I remember thinking like, I don't belong here. Like, this is not right. Like, I don't, I'm not like them. And so I just developed this massive chip on my shoulder and I became a huge overachiever and it created this feedback loop of like, oh no, I always have to strive to be normal. So if I'm anything that's not normal, then I'm just like that little girl feeling hopeless and feeling like everybody thinks that I'm stupid, Mm. even though that's like not the reality at all. Mm. It was just like, Hey bud, you're not like real good with your reading comprehension. Let's like give you some tools and like work through it, which I'm very grateful to Mrs. Dooner for taking the time to work with me. I've always wanted to like find her and thank her Mm. because those skills that she taught me on how to like break things down have translated into my mental health and like feeling that kind of swarming feeling of being overwhelmed and being like, oh my God, what do I do? How do I help my brother? And also how do I help 
me help myself, Mm -hmm. I've learned to just kind of like, okay, like you don't have to take this whole big complex knot. It's kind of like when you have a necklace chain Mm -hmm. that gets all knotted together, you can't just rip the whole thing apart in one piece. You have to do it piece by piece and decompress and unpack it until finally the necklace is completely unwoven. Great analogy. Great analogy for anything we struggle with, right? Rather than stuff it or pull it, am I willing to take the time to do the work that I deserve to do and not feel badly for needing or deserving that help? I love the word grace. It's one of my favorite words. And I think we are so hard on ourselves as human beings. And then we end up being hard on each other, which we don't want to be either. And it's important to recognize there is no freaking such thing as normal other than a setting on a washing machine, which is an overused phrase, but I love it. I think there's what's familiar, what works for us until it no longer works for us. And what I hear you have done is exactly that. You know, you were a go-getter. The energy to start Relay for Life, the energy to be the advocate, the energy to start what you've done now, you know, you're driven by your passion and your purpose, which is beautiful. And as you said, Sometimes our teachers, right? Nothing happens for no reason. Someone comes along who we love, who starts doing the work. It's kind of like, hmm, maybe I should too, you know? Beautiful. It really is. I feel like we really need to give people who have entered into recovery the credit that they deserve, as well as the family unit and the support system surrounding them, because it takes a whole community to get into recovery. And it's hard work. You know, I know a lot of people resist treatment because they're like, that's going to be so much harder than where I am. And in my experience, yes, at first it's a heavy lift, but it is so much harder to stay out there hurting and in addiction and mental illness. So much harder than when we do get the appropriate help to then make traction and feel like, wow, there's some hope here. That's not as hard as living in the disease and the despair, in my opinion. No, I completely agree. When you're in it, it doesn't feel like it, though, right? That's the confusing piece about it. So your logo, we've got to talk about it. I've said it now once. I'll say it again. I love it. It caught my eye as soon as you were on with me for that quick chat, and I got to see it. So tell everybody about your logo and what it represents for you. So it is a semicolon with butterfly wings. The semicolon represents suicide awareness and prevention, and the butterfly wings represents breaking free from the stigma of addiction, mental health, and disordered eating. It also holds the meaning of paying homage to my late mother-in-law, who was a therapist, and she loved butterflies. Mm. Beautiful. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Hi, everybody. I thank you for being a part of the Embrace Family Recovery podcast community. Thanks to you, we have crossed a milestone of 20,000 downloads. It's mind-boggling. And I appreciate you, each of you, for your part in making that happen. Excited to be coming back on September 3rd with Season 4 of this podcast. Wow, do I have a lineup for you. I have a couple sharing their experience, strength, and hope. I have Karen Casey, 
Can you believe it? This amazing woman in her recovery journey has written 40 plus books for us out there in our recovery journey. I have the privilege of spending time with her, Mary Beth O'Connor, the author of Junkie to Judge, which is such an inspiring recovery story. I am so excited to share them and more with you in the coming months. Some of you may know that in my recovery from food addiction, I developed a pension for coffee. I like coffee now, which probably is another 12-step meeting I might want to look at. But in the meantime, I've added to my podcast the opportunity for you to buy me a coffee. And it's not really buying me a coffee, though, wow, wouldn't it be wonderful to sit down together and have a cup of coffee and a good conversation? This is an opportunity for you to contribute if you found value in this podcast in a monetary way, where you can buy a cup of coffee and the funds contributed through that cup of coffee will help build and grow this podcast even more. So if you're so inclined, buy me a cup of coffee and I will be internally grateful for the contribution to growing the podcast. Enjoy the last few weeks of summer, and if they're as hot as they've been here, maybe have an iced coffee, iced tea. Can't wait to be back with our new season and wonderful episodes on September 3rd. Take care of you. You're listening to the Embrace Family Recovery Podcast. Can you relate to what you're hearing? Never miss a show by hitting the subscribe button. Now back to the show. So if people want to be supportive of your incredible work, which is providing resources to offset costs for people to get help and also just locate resources, how can people help? What ways can they help? So we're always looking for people to volunteer to lead support groups. We pay for the training to get certified for smart recovery. We also accept donations through our website. $50 provides one hour of online meditation and movement classes. $100 provides 90 minutes of peer support through our online support groups. And $500 provides 30 days of travel for outpatient services for one of our scholarship recipients. Wow. So what's beautiful about that. Alexandra, is that people who donate can actually know what the contribution could afford another person and people who have the resources and can offer that to someone who wouldn't otherwise have it. What a beautiful and rewarding thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Our goal for our showcase happening on Monday, September 11th, and our gala, which we're hosting in October, is to be able to raise enough funds to train 10 new support group facilitators, as well as three new SERPAs with a provisional license in order to help people who are going through the scholarship application process to have some help with it. We recognize that being expected to fill out an 11-page application, I don't know anybody who could do that while they're in the throes of their addiction. So these coaches would be able to not only help them, but they could also opt to work one-on-one with the coaches and to have someone following through with their journey from day one of inpatient Mm. 
to their last day of outpatient, to helping connect them with our different support groups and with any other resources that they're looking for. Sherpa is a certified peer? Certified peer recovery advocate. For the provisional license, you need to pass the state examination and then do 500 hours of supervised work. And then once you do that, your provisional flips to a full license. We also, for now, will be seeking for CARCs, Certified Addiction Recovery Coaches. However, in the state of New York, it sounds like they're no longer going to have the CARC licensure within the next couple of years in favor of having the SERPA because you can bill Medicaid for it and insurance versus a CARC, you can't. It's all out of pocket. Yeah. Amazing, amazing resources. If people wanted to come to your show on the 11th, is there being a part of the show, the cost to come, go towards the, obviously there's a cost to put it on, but help us know how that helps for people to come if they live in the area. So this is actually the first show where I believe we fully have the costs to put on the show covered. So every single dollar that comes in, will go towards the expansion of our programs and also earmark towards our scholarship fund. And there's many different options. We have early bird tickets on sale. August 1st, they go back to the regular pricing. So you could come, enjoy some mocktails, see some fashion. There's also online access to be able to tune in and to watch, even if you're halfway across the world. Awesome. And do you have all your sponsors or do you still need people? We're always looking for more people to be able to raise as much funds as possible, especially when it comes to our gala coming up in October, which we'll be hosting at the Sanctuary on Roosevelt Island, Mm. tentatively on Thursday, October 19th. Wow. That sounds amazing. We're very excited about it. It's our first gala that we're planning. The planning committee is absolutely fabulous and very helpful. It's nice to not have to plan it all on my own for once. So what would that look like for someone who might want to come to the gala? What could they expect so they can start preparing? Because I'm sure tickets aren't out for that yet. But what does that look like? Yeah, so there will be a mocktail hour starting at like six o'clock. Then around seven o'clock, we'll open up with a runway show to give people a taste of our programming and what we do. The models will all be persons living in recovery. They will then fan out and do a live mannequin showroom for the remainder of the show, where you'll be encouraged to go and talk to some of the models to learn about their recovery journey and the need for affordable access to care. We'll have a silent auction going on, which you could bid on from anywhere. We have a piece of memorabilia being donated from the New York Giants. I'll be also donating a custom gown design. We have a makeover package. So lots of like really fun kind of fashion forward things that people can bid on. And we'll probably also be live streaming it as well as a way for other people to get involved and to hear from some of our treatment partners as well as our nonprofit partners. Fantastic. That sounds really fun. Yeah, there's a lot going on. We're planning a benefit concert for September 7th at Sayer Hall in Queens. We have, I think it's around 10 different artists that have just 
decided to volunteer their time. This initiative has been spearheaded by Nikki Euling, who is one of our models and advocates, and she serves as one of the young professionals for NAMI Metro NYC. So we're really excited to see how that goes. Mm -hmm. And there's another fundraiser we might be participating in on September 13th, which is closed to the public. And then we're also working on our September 30th Recovery Action Day activation through Mobilize Recovery, which is spearheaded by Ryan Hampton. Yeah, I'm working on a day in Bermuda for Mobilize Recovery. That's where I'm from. So I want to organize either like a beach cleanup and an outdoor meeting and a little potluck or something, just something so that we can recognize that there is recovery on the island and it's okay to come out and talk about it. So yeah, I'm working on that too. So I think it's great. Oh, I love that. Please send me over the info. I'll put that on our events page. I will as soon as I have it confirmed, but you know how things go. You're rolling things out. I'm doing the same, but I'm excited about it because I grew up there and I know there's a definite island mentality around use, but there's also good recovery there. So it's good to know that's out there. That's amazing. Mm. So is there anything we haven't touched on that you wanted to say? Anything you want to talk about before we go? I'm so excited to be there with you and see this all happen, have my little table there and talk about family recovery. But I just love what you're doing. I love the combination of all the worlds colliding in your life and and being so creative with it. Yeah, it's a really great way to give people a creative outlet for their recovery. Yeah. No, not really. I mean, if you're an artist or a creator and you're looking to showcase your work, get in touch. We're always looking for new talent. We're also always looking for new performers to perform on the runway or for the benefit concert. We're really just trying to kind of cultivate a great arts community of people in recovery. Love that. And get some more sober events off the ground other than our two runway shows that Mm -hmm. we do each year. Mm -hmm. And I do love and appreciate that you make them a sober event. It seems a no-brainer, but that's not always the case at the galas and the events that are put on. So I think that's really remarkable. You walk the talk. It's not just... How can I make the money? You make the money from the standpoint of the theory with which you follow. And I think that's tremendous because I think not everyone has that same sense of ethics about this. Are you familiar with the creative high? Oh, I remember hearing about them. I haven't been in touch. That would be a possibility. They created Diane and... Adriana created a movie called The Creative High of people who are creative, artistic, musical, who are in recovery. And they are always willing to come and air it, show it, have a conversation afterwards. That might be a neat piece to look at for a possible connection for you. If you want, I can pass your information on. That would be amazing. Yeah. We're also seeking to get another documentary made that will look deeper into the intersection of recovery in the fashion industry and talk to our designers as well as our models who are walking their talk every day. We have behavioral health nurse practitioners. We have people who work at and run rehabs. We have people who actively talk to their Congress members about recovery, walking the runway. And I think it'd be really great to hear their stories of working professionally. Yeah. And I'm going to put a plug in there to get family members sharing their story too. You are on one part, the family side, 
I think having somebody represent a family experience would be great. Oh, yeah. And we've seen that directly. One of our designers, Kelsey Burkham, she has disassociative personality disorder, and each of her looks is inspired by one of her different altars. Mm. And her mom, Lauren, she helps her sew. It's incredible. They've created this whole sewing community in Colorado. And her mom will come and like, she's so understanding. Like she is such an ally for other people with multiple personalities and like able to navigate each of the different alters pronouns. And I mean, I was blown away. They came in September after in March, unfortunately, her son was successful in a suicide attempt completion. So through that, we created the Sergeant Tyler Memorial Scholarship for active service members and for veterans to get the quality care that they need so that we don't lose someone like Tyler again. Oh, heartbreaking. Yeah. Like she got on that plane, she came, and she's one of the most supportive women that I know. Like anything her daughter needs, she's there. I mean, it's really inspiring. We need more parents like that that are active in their adult children's lives because it really does save them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the hardest part is how do I show up and love, but also have boundaries to protect myself from the disease that makes it really complex. But yes, staying invested. There's a lot of people that speak to the fact that if I follow the premise of detaching with love, I'm abandoning. And I absolutely disagree with that. It's actually caring without fixing because we are powerless to fix someone else, but we are not powerless to show up and to love and to be consistent in showing that love and advocation for help and resources. So it's really good that you see those examples you are one of those examples. I mean, who are we kidding? That's part of your journey. And that's just fabulous. I'm so grateful that we've met. And I look forward to being with you in September. And thank you. Thank you for all you've done and continue to do for people out there who couldn't otherwise find services, afford services, or know where to begin. And we need to get you out there more so people know what you're doing. So I hope that more people get on your website, donate, and help others. What a great thing to know. You give some money and it makes such a difference in someone's life who couldn't otherwise do it. Yeah. The goal is to really show that every dollar that is contributed goes towards making a direct impact. Right. And thank you so much for what you do in lifting and uplifting the voices of families of people in recovery. I imagine it provides great comfort to a lot of people. Thank you. Thank you. I love what I do. I feel privileged to do what I do. So I just look forward to coming out there and being a part of a fashion show, having never, not in it, but at it, never having done that. That'll be an experience. Oh, I I mean, I don't know if you ever wanted to be in it. (laughs) Let me know. Well, we'll have to talk further. Let's just start slow because it's a little overwhelming to think about, but what an honor it would be. I think your idea of your gala, and I shared this with you privately, your models to be present and available to have conversation is magnificent. I think that's such a brilliant thing. And knowing the audience who's there, who are wanting to be a part of helping and making a difference to understand more why they help, to see the hope of recovery from mental illness and substance use disorder and other addictions, 
the reality is for me, food addiction is my, that is my disease. And so I'm a, we call it a double winner in the world of 12 step that I come in from a family perspective, but got honest about my own addiction, kind of similar to your story and getting the help you deserved for your own issues after seeing what your brother was going through and advocating for him. And I think just knowing that someone could have a conversation with a person who's not related to them and maybe hear something that helps them have compassion, empathy, be less reactive to the person in their lives. What a gift that is to give. Yeah, I really hope that it can help change the perspectives of some people because I've noticed the shift in people when they're confronted by someone in recovery and it's going up against their perceptions. You can notice that shift in the body language, the shift in how they're engaging with this individual as the gears are kind of turning. I really feel like if we were able to have more experiences like this, we wouldn't be having attacks against people like the first family where there is a son who is in the throes of his addiction and who has entered into recovery. And it's a very powerful statement for that father to be like, no, I love my son. I stand by my son. I think it was a powerful message for everyone to hear and to realize that there's power in loving from a distance, no matter how painful that is, no matter how much you want to just rush in and save them from themselves. Sometimes you can't do that and you can't beat yourself up if they fall and if they lapse. You just have to be there for them and to give them that comfort and love that they need so that they're not looking for that comfort in other places that won't be helping them move forward in their needs and in their journey. Mm, Well said. I also think it speaks to the fact that the self-loathing that comes along with addiction is more brutal than anything anyone else can say to somebody. And so our job is to love the person and recognize they are ill and deserving of care, not judge them. And unfortunately, this illness model creates behavior within a person that changes their value structure, right? And so it's easy to, quote, judge or vindicate somebody rather than see them as ill and needing help to get well, because the person originally in there is still in there somewhere. They're just trapped at that point by the disease. I think another great role model was Betty Ford. She was incredibly courageous to put her truth out there and to help others through the Betty Ford Foundation in California and was an advocate, a passionate advocate for children getting education and empowerment so they didn't live in fear and what ifs and how, what was my fault and understand the disease to try and change the lineage and the generational impact of the illness. So there have been and will continue to be people like yourself and other people in different platforms who destigmatize the disease, mental illness, substance use, whatever illness, and offer resources. And I think that's tremendous. And we will in time see it be treated differently. Yeah, I hope the tide continues to turn. It will. Thank you, Alexandra, for all you did to support your brother and your family, and most importantly, yourself. I'm an admirer of creativity and tenacity 
which you have absolutely plentiful of, starting when you were a young girl bringing Relay for Life in honor of your father to your community. I'm so grateful, humbled, and honored to be a sponsor of the Break Free New York City Fashion Show on September 11th, 2023. Please head to the Break Free Foundation's website at breakfreefoundation.org and learn more about all the wonderful things they are doing. Buy a ticket, make a donation, get involved, be a sponsor. As Alexandra shared, the work of Break Free impacts lives in very practical and tangible ways. Let's help raise the number of people helped to access vital resources they so deserve. If you have a few dollars and the ability to donate, go ahead and do it now. Every dollar counts. I want to thank my guest for their courage and vulnerability in sharing parts of their story. Please find resources on my website, embracefamilyrecovery.com. This is Margaret Swift Thompson. Until next time, please take care of you.